Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners and watchers. Welcome to Passion Harvest. I am Louisa, your host. Thank you so much for joining me wherever you are in the world right now. Our guest today is Ingrid Honkala. She drowned and met beings of light. During her near-death experience, Ingrid was aware of other dimensions and beings that gave her invaluable insights and assistance as she faced the challenges of growing up. This is her story and this is her passion, Ingrid. I am so excited to speak with you today and um, welcome to Passion Harvest. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Luisa, for having me here. It's such an honour. Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, I'd love to get started. I know you've had some incredible experiences. Um, if you feel comfortable, would you mind uh, talking to the audience about your near-death experience? Yes, yes. And um, this um, near-death experience, the first one I had happened when I was very, very young. I was uh, close to three years old, Luisa, when I had an accident in which I fell into a tank filled with frigid water and I drowned. And the reason why this happened is because my parents used to work and they would leave us at the care of a maid. And she was a very, he was a young lady and really didn't pay attention to us when my parents were not around. Just to put it uh, more in context, I was born in Colombia, mm -hmm. in Bogota. And then, uh, yeah, my parents will leave. And when they were not there, this lady really didn't pay attention to what we were doing. And early one morning, my oldest sister, who was close to four, and I decided, let's go play in the patio. And we went to play. No one was watching. And then... The risk or the problem of these parties is that there was, there was this big tank for collecting water for hand-washing clothes. And then we found a ball and we decided let's play cash across the tank. And next to the tank, there was a surface for scrubbing and my sister sat on that place. So she was a little bit safer. I went to the other side and it was the thin edge and I just went on top of it and I was leaning very precariously but hey we were just having fun so who's thinking about any danger and then my sister threw the ball and she didn't apply enough force and this was a big tank it held about 900 gallons of water and this is the other thing people think that because I am from Colombia I come from hot weather country but mm -hmm. Bogota is very high up in the Andes so this water in this tank was was very very cold so i explained this because the moment she threw the ball it was floating in the water i tried to catch it and i leaned forward and when i 
grabbed it, it rolled, and I fell in the tank. And the first thing I felt was that frigid, frigid water. It was the, like it took like whatever little bread I was able to, to behold, it just, it took my bread away. It was like, and I went like frigid, frigid cold. And then from there, it was the realization, what is going on? Why I cannot breathe? I had never uh, been in a pool before that. I had never, we didn't have a bathtub. So my head never really had been like that under the water. So I, at that age, I didn't have the clarity that if you fall into water, you drown. Mm-hmm. So it was that now that anguish, like that terror, why I cannot breathe. And when I am in this state of terror, wanting to get out of this tank of this situation, that's when the most amazing thing happened because he's Luisa, when I went from that horror in just like that to peace mm-hmm. and it was peace and this feels so good. I didn't know what was happening, but I now didn't need to escape, didn't need to run, didn't need to go anywhere, didn't need to breathe. It was just I'm feeling extremely well. And then I always like to say that throughout this experience, there was a lot of contrast. Because some people ask me, how can you even remember being so young? And I always say, it's so hard to remember one thing because it was very traumatic, the part of drowning. And the second part is because it was just this contrast of incredible well-being, serenity, peace, joy. And then there's a few things. The first thing is that this tank was a very dark area because it was entirely made of cement. It had a roof. So when I fell in the water, the last thing I saw was the darkness of the space. And the moment I drowned and I went to the state of peace, the first thing I saw was light. And it was a light that was coming from the bottom. It was like if the light of a candle had been lit and now like it was enough to just illuminate the whole water surrounding. So it's like, now there is light. The other thing that I experienced was that the last thing I heard was my heart, like, beating really hard imagine when you're very scared and your heart is like I could hear it in my head like boom 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 and silence everything was quiet but it was that that incredible silence I also lived in a house that was very noisy I had two more sisters and dogs and birds and cousins visiting it was always noise and it was this sense of like oh so it's what I, I describe as the silence behind the silence. It was amazing. And then I'm in this state of so much peace and joy when I started to see bubbles in the water and the bubbles were surrounded by light. And when I see the bubbles, I'm like, whoa, this is so much fun. And I started to kind of chase the bubbles. And it was when I turn around And I saw my body suspended in the water. 
it was like this realization, oh, that's my body. So I had that clarity, but I didn't feel afraid. It was just like, it was more, Luisa, like the sense of familiarity that, oh, this is normal. That's my body. And then it comes the other contrast. I was born as a very sick child. And then up to that point, I never knew what was to feel well. So now I am feeling incredibly well. It's like, this is amazing. So imagine that when I saw the body, I'm like, I'm not going back there. No, thank you. And I turn around and I left the body behind. And the moment I turn around, I started to see flowers that were blooming from like nowhere. And they were so incredibly beautiful. It was like, I am just mesmerized. And then I was picked by the flowers. And I just went to the state. If Before I was relaxed, now I was like, oh, this is just amazing. <laughs> and then I call, I, the, the analogy I give to this is like the sense that you're going back to the womb where you don't have to do anything. You just, you just care. You're just being done. And then when I am in that state of bliss, it's when like in just a blink, I appear in the maid's room. And I was looking at her from above and I'm like, oh, that's Maria. And she was completely unaware. She was listening to soap operas in the radio, unaware of what is happening. And then from there in that, like another flash like that, I appear in my mom's path. My mom, like I said, she left early. She didn't have a car and she was walking. And she was already uh, close to her bus stop when now I am floating above her. And I'm like, this is what blows everybody's mind away is that the very moment I said, that's mom. Luisa, she stopped. She did not give another step. She just stopped. And she's like, something is happening at home. And she knew that one of her babies was in trouble. And then she turned around and I started to run back home. And I just look at her like, oh, mommy's running. (laughs) (laughs) But at that moment, I changed uh, my point of view. And and when I look at the horizon, there was a dog and I love animals. So I forgot all, all about mom and the moment I saw the dog, then I was with the dog. So it was like, what is happening? Then I turned around and the moment I saw a park and I had the desire to be in the park, I was there. So like everything was happening just like that. And so now I had this joy and this enormous sense of like, I want to play. And I started to play at this game of going places. And it was like the whole sense of time and space just vanished and I could be anywhere at any time. And when I'm just having fun doing this again in like another blink, everything was just like that. I appear in a realm and this realm was made of pure, bright, intense, shiny light. 
Ah, Luisa, this is the first time in like these almost three years of my life that I felt I am home. And it was this sense of familiarity again, the sense of like, oh, and again, it's like this sense of no time was present. Like I was almost three years old, but I felt the sense like, oh, I'm just coming back home. Like not even those three years had passed. It was the, I'm back home. And then it was um, like relaxing into that sense. And I started to feel that I was like dissolving, dissolving into the state of wholeness. And then it went even farther when I I describe it as some people call it non-self, some people call it emptiness, I call it nothingness. Because it was that spaciousness, that openness, that that there was really nothing to desire, nowhere to go, nothing to pray. It was just resting in that space. And sometimes when I, I say nothingness, people get scared. Mm. But I said, it's nothing because it's nothing you know. But at the same time, it's wholeness. It's you, you are full. It's like you don't need anything because you are everything. So that was what I was experiencing. And the, the I guess the words I could use to describe it, because I, I it's pretty much, I would just say, there's not really words. <laughs> There's no really a way to put it into this context, but I could say it's just the state of pure presence, the state of just pure consciousness. And when I am just there, there, in this state of presence, my mom finally arrived home. And this is the other amazing thing. We live in a big house, but she knew exactly where to go. And she directed herself to the back of the house. And right there was my sister. And she told my mom, mom Ingrid is there. And I cannot get her. And then my mom got in the tank. She pulled me out. And she said that I was like a raggedy doll. That the, this body, there was no pulse, no breathing. My lips were all blue. And she had been trained. She, she was... Um, a teacher, she worked with children and she had been trained to do CPR mm -hmm. for children. So it's like, this is incredible, like how all these synchronicities happen in life. So she knew what to do and she started to do whatever she knew to revive me. And at this point, I was so disconnected, Lisa, from this reality that I didn't feel anything that she was doing. I was just there having fun. <laughs> I was there in my state of bliss when suddenly I felt like I had jumped from the tallest building in the world. And it was the sense that I was being pulled, like I was being sucked, like I'm being vacuumed back and there's nothing I can do. And I, it was that sense of like, no, I didn't want to come back. And then I knew I was back when all this feeling of discomfort and again, a body that didn't feel well, the sense of coldness, the sense of pain, everything was there. And I, the sense of like, imagine going from that expansive state of being to whoop, like being in a bottle. <laughs> it was like, I felt trapped. I felt like, where did the freedom go? 
and I was very unhappy. So when I came back, I was angry. And that's when things got really, really difficult for us, for, for my parents, because I refused to eat. I didn't want to be here. And um, although I was so young and people wonder, um, how can she even know, understand these things? What happened is when I came back from this experience, I had a different kind of awareness. And when I look at my parents, it was the sense that they're not just my biological parents. I felt them as my equal because I had experienced that sense of oneness. And when I look at myself, I'm like, I'm not this child. I'm not this child. And I stopped from that point on feeling that I was a child. I was, I had like all this awareness and, and but the, I didn't have the language to express what was happening, what I was experiencing. And I would look and look at myself in the mirror and cry and say to my mom, you don't understand, I'm not this child. And my mom didn't know what to do. Things were hard. And, and then, but it's when I said that the help that I needed came in the most remarkable way. And it's when uh, I started to have what we know today as auto body experiences. Right. And then I started to communicate with beings of light. But other things that uh, happened that when I came back to, to, to bring that clarity of how aware and how different I felt is that when I look at other children, I couldn't play or communicate with them, Luisa, because I look at them and I'm like, what is happening to these people? They don't know anything. They don't understand anything. I was It was so confusing. And... I started to show abilities that I had that I didn't have before the experience. And then I'm telling you, I'm almost three and no longer after my NDE, I could read and write. I could resolve mathematical problems. I could put together complex puzzles. So this all show I came with this different awareness so and I started to have a more complex language as time passed so that that was just all showing yeah something really happened there <laughs> well what wow and my gosh you explained it's very very hard to put in words you explained it so beautifully Ingrid thank you so much um, and it's amazing many people that have near-death experiences. It doesn't matter the age. It's just so real and vivid and right there. Um, you speak about the beings of light. Do you mind talking about uh, that a little bit more for the audience? Yes, yes, of course. And um, and this goes again um, with the whole, I bring it up because people always wonder, how you being so young can remember these mm. people get trapped into that idea and i said because for me it's like the doors never close and incredibly every time i i say this not long ago the being so light said to me Ingrid, of course the doors never close because there are no doors 
we limit our mind with concepts, with ideas, with beliefs, with all the stuff that make us limit the mind and close it and think that all of this is not possible. <laughs> but also what happened is like I, I mentioned to you how I say the door never closed because right after things get happening. So it made it impossible to forget once the experience was, as I mentioned, so vivid, so brought so much change into my life and the life of my family. And now this continue. And then I started to have these uh, out-of-body experiences. And every time I went to sleep, I was back again in that realm of the light. And it felt so amazingly well that I wanted to stay. So I started to sleep a lot. But of course, my parents uh, told that lady to leave, but they hired a new one. And if you're sleeping and she doesn't have to do much work, then that's good. Oh, so a new maid. <laughs> a new maid. And she let me sleep. And I that was great because I wanted to be there. And in one of these journeys, one day when I'm in this realm of the light, I was surrounded by starlight figures. And they were shining in all different colors. I was just like, oh, this is amazing. Imagine you to be standing like out there at night and seeing like the whole, whole sky filled with stars. Something similar, but I was in the light and all the, the stars were like shining in all colors you can imagine. And then in one of these journeys, one day, one of these uh, starlight figures that was shining in gold approached me and it shaped itself into a human form. And when I saw it, I, imagine I'm like, oh, it was trying to show me we are the same and it touched me. And it's when I say, you are a being of light. And during my near death, that's one of the things that also happened when I enter into the realm of the light, I realized myself as a being of light. So it was that knowing we are the same. And when I woke up from that, it was like, oh, now I really want to sleep. I don't <laughs> want, I don't care about this other reality here. There was a, a point even Luis in which I went to sleep. And when I wake up, I. It was that sense of like, which one is the dream? That one or this one? And of course, now we all need balance. And <laughs> this child needed to experience some balance right there. And how that balance came, not long after all this happened, one day I'm taking a shower. And then right there in the bathroom, an intense big blue shiny light appear in the bathroom and now I'm like oh, now the beings of light are here so it was like now I didn't have to go asleep mm -hmm. I didn't have because yeah I couldn't be the child that is left forever so, <laughs> so now I, I could feel like I, now I started to see them everywhere and although they didn't say or do anything, it was the sense of like, oh, now I can feel that here I am at home too. And that was another teaching that I understood years later. And it was that knowing that, oh, I get it. Home is not a place because it was for me it was I have to go there. 
And now that the beings of light were here and I felt that home was here, it was like, home is not a place, it's a state of being. And I could relax into that state and I started to um, enjoy more my life here and play with my sisters and eat. And I'm like, because I felt that presence of these beings. And then the moment they started to talk with me, I could, I was able to listen. First, it was, uh, I could feel at all levels of being, I could feel their presence, I could see them, and I could smell them. So every time, like, they were intensely present, it was like, I could smell flowers. It was like, oh, they being so light are here. And then um, when I was able to listen, to hear their voice for the first time was because um, although I was feeling better, I was throwing big tantrums because I did not feel any sense of attachment to my, still to my body or to my name. So when people call me Ingrid, I will get very aggravated. Oh. And I'll be like, oh, stop calling me like that. So one one evening, the the maid is calling me for dinner and Ingrid, Ingrid, and I'm, I do not listen. So I'm like there and she comes all angry, like, we're calling you for dinner. And I said, she's like, Ingrid, we're calling you. And I said, don't call me like that. That is not my name. And she turned to me and said, then how should I call you? What is your name? And I turned and I said, I do not need one. And then, of course, they didn't understand. This child is just being trouble and they sent me to bed. And I was so sad and I was crying. And it's when I heard a voice for the first time and it was so kind and so loving. And it was like almost whispering a secret to me. And he said, it's going to take time for them to understand that names are not needed in the realm of the light. They said, as you already know. And then, for me, with that sense of like, I'm not crazy. I understand why I don't need a name. But of course, later in, in, in light, later in life, it was clear to me that names are needed for our human experience and all that. But that was my experience at that moment. And then they also told me that there was going to take time for them to, to understand. Then it was best for me to remain quiet. And imagine for me, at that moment of my life, Laura, was that, what is not to understand? That was my reality. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what are you talking about? But I realized quick that the more I try to talk or say anything, I'm seeing these or people didn't like take it serious. So then you know how their adults are with children, especially like, yeah, you're dreaming or you're creating. You're, you're making it up and it's fantasy so fantasy so pretty quick i realized okay yeah i just have to be quiet but imagine that was creating a lot of trouble inside me anyways because it was the sense of like i cannot talk to anyone what i am experiencing and but this is the other part the being so like said you you will not be alone never alone there will be people in your path to help you and to guide you and yeah, time passed, but one of these people was my mom. And when I went to kindergarten, 
this when now things that that was amazing because it's when now we started to validate that what was happening to me was real and then i went and i started to paint beams of light everywhere because i was told not to talk about it i had to express myself somehow and i painted beams of light everywhere so the teacher was very curious like Ingrid, what are these, <laughs> the sun, the stars? And of course, out of, out of my innocence and my authentic being, it was like, no, these are my friends, the beings of light. And it's when the teacher was like, oh, she like was wondering, like explain more. And I just went quiet because I realized she doesn't understand. And then they already thought at the school that I was kind of a different kind of child because I was quiet and in my own space. And so she said, I have to call your parents because she thought I was having imaginary friends. So my mom came to school and the teacher started to show my mom all these drawings. And that's when we also discovered that I could see auras because to me, this was normal. But now it's like these, all my drawings, everything I was painting had auras. And this is another ability I had when I came back, the ability to paint. So it was very clear. And, and then my mom just was looking at all these, she was quiet. And then there was a moment when, when they were talking about, I turned and I wanted someone to believe me so bad, Laura, that I, it was like, I said to my, to my mom, mom, these are the colors that we wear and these are my friends, the beings of light. So it's when my mom just look at me and, and with these big mom eyes like, be silent. And then it's when we left that she told the teacher that it was just a moment that this was going to, change and then when we were uh in the um boss going to home is when she said i believe you oh. and it's when she revealed to me that she believed me because she also could see things that other people couldn't see so luisa that was amazing because at that moment it was that um sense of like i'm not alone but the other thing was that my mom validated what the beings of light have told me. She said, you have to remain quiet. Because she said, as it happened to me, no one believed me. And that caused a lot of trouble. So I understood it was best to be quiet. And then the next person that came into my life to, to also bring validation and to help me in my path was my grandmother. And she was a grace as Catholic, but she also had this sense of, I know there's more. And then she started to um, just follow the path of spirituality. And she wanted to learn more about other philosophies and religions and ways of thinking. And she brought all this into our home. And the connection with my grandmother was incredible because it was the first person that I felt, oh, grandma talked like the beings of light like it was more deafness in her conversations and me being so young and we could hold long conversations together and she's the one that taught me how to meditate and then since i was very very little like um 
from the age of eight, I was started to meditate pretty seriously. And, and then, yeah, that even opened more and kept that connection very um, open with the beings of light. Wonderful. So you still have the connection to this day with the beings of light? Yes, I do. I do. For for a while in my life, um, I wouldn't say completely went away, but it say that the door closed a bit because imagine um, I came with that intense clarity, awareness, and the moment I go to school, I started to be very different from others. Mm. And there was not understanding at that time of what was happening to me. And even when I started to be closer to my mom, to my grandmother, I was still like feeling very, very different because they had not experienced what I had. They didn't have explanation for it. And very quick, I started to go very in depth into spirituality. By the age of nine, I was reading very in depth spiritual books and teachings like the Bhagavad Gita and, and the book of discernment, uh, the book of self-realization. I, I, I was into all these readings. My grandma was bringing all these to me. But the more I went that way, imagine the more distance I created from being human, from being a child, from mm -hmm. being an adolescent, from being everything, a teenager. So in a school, I had a lot of trouble. I could not connect with anybody. I was ostracized. I was bullied. It was hard. I could not find any sense of identity in being Ingrid. So it went for, for a long time. By the age of 14, I was doing um, transcendental meditation. After that, I'm joining acne yoga, really serious groups of spirituality. And then there was a moment when I started to feel my sisters now were like we were all growing up they were going out and boys and life and my oldest sister became the one teaching me you have to dress like this you have to listen to this music and I just I would do it because I knew that connect me with people my age but not because I had an alignment with any of that so let's say that the the gap was so big that I started to suffer. And then by the time I, I finished high school and decided to go to college, it was the sense of I have to change. I need to be able to- Integrate into- Yeah, that I can integrate with these people. And then Already, I was in already in, in college and trying to adapt and trying to be part of it. And there was a moment when I asked the beings of light, I have to go. I have to do my own thing. And I had an experience. I was in a bus and I was having so much trouble. My parents were at the verge of divorce. It was a lot was happening in my human experience. And I was like, so disintegrated, like so divided from everything that there was a moment I am in this boss and I said to the being so light, I wish none of this was real. Mm. And the moment I said that I had what we call another a spiritual experience. And 
I'm sitting in the bus and it's like everything dissolved. Like I had the awareness of all the things that made this bus possible, all the constituents, all the vibrational frequencies, everything. And I went to that state that I had experienced during my near there when I had auto body experiences. And I went to that complete state of presence and then I was back. And it's when uh, the beings of light asked me if I wanted to teach, teach the spirituality. And I said, no, I don't want to. I wanted to be like everyone else. Normal. Well, what's normal? But... <laughs> yeah, I wanted to just connect and be normal. Yes. And then it's when I said to the beings of light, no, I have to go. And it was beautiful because that's the whole compassion of the universe. It was like, okay whenever you're ready. And then at that point, um, I said to people, this disconnection is like when you go to college and then it's not like your parents disappear or died or I don't know, not dissolved. No, it's like you go somewhere but you're one call away from your parents. It's like leaving your home, but you are connected. Same thing happened with the beings of light. They said, from now on, you will not see us or or hear us as you do now, but they will be always there. So, but that connection like that ended. And then for the next 20 years, I started to live my life more, let's call it yeah. <laughs> normal. And then, but it came many, many sufferings came right there. Many sufferings came, came right there, Luisa, because what happened is that this is the other analogy I put. Say that for the first 19 years of my life, I was walking in a room with the lights on. And if you're in that room right there, this beautiful room in your picture with the lights on, you know where the furniture is. You don't trip. You, you know where everything is, is you have that inner guidance. But what happened is you turn off the lights and it's pitch black. You start tripping yeah with everything so it's like when all these challenges in life started to happen and now i didn't have that guidance that i always had had right there from the beings of light and now i have to make my own decisions and i have to so it was 20 years of a lot of challenges a lot of contrast and i reached the point in which i fell into a very deep depression and it was that very, very, very deep depression that called me back to wanting to reconnect. And this was really beautiful because two things happened there. Um, I had the chance to uh, meet the Dalai Lama and I had the possibility to be in India receiving his teachings. And then um, after receiving his teachings, I was already going to a really hard time within myself. I went and I, it was incredible being there with him, but that's the moment when I realized how disconnected I have become mm -hmm. from my inner and from the beings of light and from, and how, how that had been the real source of joy in my life. And I was, how could I not this? You say that, that there was a moment even for a while in my life where it's like, you don't even call your parents back. Like they even dial you and you don't answer their phone. I yeah. mean, that was a period of my life that I 
that disconnected I became. And then at this point, I'm like, I have to go back. And I fell into a very, very, very deep depression. And I, I reached the point that I wanted to commit suicide. And it was in that dark night of the soul when I went into deep prayer. And I had not been praying or anything for a while. And it's, But my prayer wasn't the prayer of change my reality. My prayer, Luis, at that moment was, God, help me see because I have become blind. God, help me see because I cannot see. And then at that very moment, I, I just felt a sense of calmness. And the next day, the very next day, the, the answer I got was, you need help. It was simple. It's incredible because the answers are simple. It's like, go to a psychologist. And then I went on online and I found the name of the psychologist and it just kind of oh, grabbed my attention. I wrote it on a paper. And the same day, two people from two different sources gave me the name of the same doctor. Wow. And I said, oh, I get it. <laughs> This is a synchronicity. So I went to meet him. He was very spiritual, very incredible psychologist. And then there was a moment when he asked me to write uh, a list of all my sufferings. And I just, at that moment, I, I became a scientist. I was working for NASA. I, I've been doing all these research, all these work. So at this point is this part of arrogant, like I'm a scientist, I don't write sufferings. But he's like, no, this is very cathartic. Do it, this is going to help. Okay, I wrote all these sufferings. And it's when he looked at it and he said to me, in my 37 years of practice, I have never met anyone that has suffered this much and is mentally stable. I was in shock, see? But like I said to you, many challenges happen in my life, many sufferings. And that's why I reached this point of despair and depression. And then at that moment, I said to him, I, is, I was in shock with what he said. And I said, why me? Why this is happening to me? Or why all this had happened to me? And he gave me the answer. Lisa, that turn on the light back on and it was a very simple answer when I said why me he said why not and in that why not he started to say look thanks to these you have done this and thanks to these this and thanks to these that and at that moment is like like the whole <laughs> switch turned on and I started to just make all these connections and I started to feel that this incredibly amazing sense of like I get it <laughs> I get it and I said that three days that day like three let's call it miracles happen of three points of very important awareness and that's what brought me to have what I call a big spiritual awakening so at that moment I had that realization that nothing ever happened to me it happened for me because thanks to all of this I'm in this place of awareness and clarity and wowness right now it was like 
everything guided me to this very moment. And what happened next is that that an incredible sense of gratitude just opened up. And it was that being grateful for everything that ever happened, no matter how dark or how wrong or how bad my mind thought it was, it was perfect. So I saw perfection in everything. And the other thing that happened is that with this sense of gratitude and this sense of knowing that everything was perfect, forgiveness happened. It was the sense of there's nothing I need to forgive because nothing ever happened to me. Or it was the sense that everything was forgiven. It's like, oh. So imagine this was an amazing state of freedom, nice. liberation. And then last thing or the third miracle is that at that moment, I had that clarity of like, absolutely everything is in my mind. <laughs> And right here at this, this moment, my only truth is that I'm talking with this psychologist sitting in this chair and I have the power to do whatever I want with what is in my mind. So I regain my inner power, what I want the truth. And when I left that office, I was in such a state of awareness and bliss and connection that I'm driving my car and it's when I felt that what we call God or source or universal consciousness or eat whatever we want to call it the mother the father was everything the essence of God was absolutely everything and from there is when the full connection with <laughs> Again, with the beings of life, with the inner, outer guidance at all levels of being started to happen again. And it's now been um, 10 years, 11 years. And it's when I realize I'm ready. I'm ready to what is to come. Well, what, what an inspiration and a being of, of light you are. Um... Oh, thank you. And you've written a book as well? Yes, yes. Part of that a feeling of I'm ready was writing the book. You know, uh, Luisa, there was a moment when um, when the, the inspiration about the book came, I was like, ah, that's too egotistic. I don't think that writing about me is a good idea, but it's like when the being so light said, this is not about you. This is what you can give to others. And that's with the experience of many of us. It's like, what can we offer to others through our experiences? And then the book started to happen. And if I didn't write it, I would be sick. I Because it was like, it was in the middle of the night when I was shopping, when I was driving, when I was at work. It's like, Phew. so I had this notebook and I had to keep writing. And he's like, what can I offer? What can I offer and the book is called a brightly guided life how a scientist learned to hear her inner wisdom oh, and it came it, it came even together Luisa with the sense that I was in a trip in in Costa Rica 
And because up to that point, I, I'm writing, but I don't know where I am going with everything. And then I had a, another big challenge. I was trapped by the waves and nearly drowned again. It's like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> But I was saved by some surfers taken out of the, the, the waves. And I was kind of tossed and rolled by like one wave and the other, like three waves caught me. And I was like in this hitting myself with the ground and everything I was pulled out of the water and when I'm standing at the edge like there at the beach is like with my feet in the water I'm like I had the realization that the entire time I had been like caught by the waves I had never experienced fear and I'm like how is this possible there was no fear. So at this moment, standing there, seeing the waves in the horizon, I had that complete inner feeling and realization that no matter the size of the wave, I am ready to surf. <laughs> That's great. And it was that. And later I even asked, like, but who am I serving? And it came with that wave of clarity, too. I am serving God. I'm serving consciousness, the light, source, love, joy, whatever people want to call it. And it's like, is that um, power of being able to connect with ourselves and with everyone else. So when I, I, I was ready, ready to serve. And if, if we, we have time, I, I, I want to share with you that this is the part where also I started to have more clarity about many things that happen and one of these clarities came in realizing and asking the right questions the being so like said learn to ask the right questions and you will get the right answers and this came asking simple questions like why my near-death experience happened when I was so young and they said to me because you were old enough to remember but young enough not to be conditioned yet. Right. So look at how important that is, that part of having a pure, clear, open mind without conditioning. Now I was able to always navigate in knowing that everything that was happening was real. And the other thing um, was I asked why my near-death experience happened in the first place what is the purpose of this and then it's when they said to me the purpose of all this is for you to bring the message of the power of connection and that's when i understood why the book happened what the service sends have all these because what is this thing they said i said how <laughs> how they say yeah during your near that experience remember when you saw your body and you decided to turn around and leave it behind? I said, yes. They said, that was not the, <laughs> that was not the purpose of it. it. That was your ego mind at that moment making that decision. Okay. Your purpose was to come back. Reason why you went to look for the maid and you went to look for your mom. And I'm like, oh, really? I didn't even know. <laughs> because my choice would have been, I'm not coming back here. I'm, I'm staying. So, I'm staying so 
I went to look for the maid. She was not paying attention. I went to look for my mom. So I said, okay, if the maid was not paying attention and she wasn't going to do anything, why did I go there and waste time? Why didn't I go directly to my mom? And, she, and they said, that's the point. That's where we want to show you the contrast. What happened when there is not love? What happened when there is not connection? They cannot hear. Oh, that's amazing. Beautiful yes. way to explain to, it. Yes. And they said, what happened with your mom? Unconditional love. Complete connection. And they said, when there is love, there's no distance. There's not the spiritual realm, the physical realm. There's nothing. It's, there's no boundaries. That's why when we have that intuition for our children or something is because there's no boundary. And then they said, look what happened. Your mom, who was the person farthest away, farther away from you where she didn't even know nothing. She's the one that came back and saved you. And the lady that was only a few meters away didn't even know you were there. And then they said to me, look, when there is not connection, they will let you drown. When there is no connection, there will be division, war, separation. And that relates to all aspects of our life. Absolutely. Without yeah. love, there's no connection. I guess you get this question. I won't keep you for too long. I guess you get this question all the time. Why are we here in our humanness? That's I love, love, love this question because um, although it's very complex, I mean, I, it, it will take a while to answer this one. It can be okay. also really simple at the same time, but is and I, as I mentioned to you through through my whole conversation today, I mentioned the word contrast a few times, and this is because this human experience offered the possibility to experience that contrast. Like if I would say, I, I can give you this clear example, say when a baby is born, the baby's pure and innocent, but the baby doesn't know that he doesn't or she does, she comes from the mom, doesn't have the awareness. So imagine we are that um, emanation that expression of the divine, that expression of consciousness, that expression of God. But we're like the baby. We don't know. We, we don't, don't remember. We don't remember exactly. We're just, yeah, the pure and innocent, but we don't know. So this whole human experience give us, which is, this is the other thing the beings of life showed to me with such beautiful clarity. You, me, we, we are eternal beings. And this expression of you are Luisa's just just a parenthesis in your long, long, long eternal existence. But it say that we're still a baby, not remembering who we truly are. So one experience, another, another opens and opens and opens that door until someday we're fully aware and we remember. See, so this offers that contrast. I said to people to, to give another example, just in our life here as humans, I said, how could you know sadness if you've never been happy? How you could know happiness if you've never been sad? See, how could you know um, health, health, health if you've never been sick? How can you know that you're an aware being if you are not unaware? <laughs> so all these 
all this nature of duality bring us to realize I am the awareness, I am consciousness, I am an expression of source. See, but without all these, we couldn't know. It was mm. not possible. Thank you. You again explained that so simply and beautifully. Uh, I've got one, I mean, I've got lots of questions, but one more final question. Many people are afraid of dying. Oh, what happens? What is your advice to those people that have a fear of death? I would just say that fear of death is, say it's our normal state of being as human because is the way in which the human body is going to protect from <laughs> from danger see it, it, this is another thing that i have learned through all these years and through all this process of awakening says, and it's like there's no good or bad the idea don't think that that is good don't think that that is bad or all this stuff is like remember we are beings that have been conditioned through centuries of having to survive and having to deal with a lot of stuff so of course the fear of that is part of the human condition. But once we're able to talk about it, discuss about it, make it more normal. We just even teach our children no, not to even talk about not not to think about it. Don't talk about that. But if we make it more natural, it would make it more um that knowing that this is something that is going to happen to all of us at some point then we start normalizing this idea of that. And once you have had, I, I have had two near-death experiences and many, many, many close encounters with death and a spiritual transformative experiences. You, From the very first one, the fear of death was gone completely. <laughs> so I was able to be, live my life more freely. I had traveled the world. I've been in 56 countries of the world. I've done extreme sports. I've been everywhere because it's the sense of like, I am an eternal being. There is no death. See, this is, I know with the clarity that this is like a costume, which of course I appreciate and I take care of as I have my human experience. But when I leave, this costume is removed and my essence continues. So it's like, wow, once you just there, like there's no reason to fear because we are eternal. We are eternal. And it's, and it's just that knowing that, wow, we, we can continue and, and we can keep breathing that piece of this is just impermanent. But the nature that we are is eternal thank thank you again um well i've asked all the questions and you've explained and shared so beautifully thank you so much is there anything else on a final note you'd like to share with the passion harvest audience yes yes i i want to say that one important thing like we always talk about how can we vibrate high how can we keep connected how can we be shine the light that we are and i say by living a life of appreciation and gratitude and how can we connect with that gratitude even for a person that is suffering how angry how can i feel grateful if i'm suffering gratitude can come from very simple things from smelling your cup of coffee in the morning 
from smelling a fruit before you eat it, from taking a shower, from seeing your children laugh, from stepping in the grass. See, simple. We just make it so complicated. And the being so light said to me, Ingrid, you don't imagine how grateful everyone will be if they realize that for you to exist, trillions and trillions and trillions of subatomic particles have to be in agreement. They say you are a divine intention. So imagine even from there, like, wow, for me to exist, trillions of particles, again, going to that place of connection, have to be connected, have to be in agreement. So again, I just even see this pen and I'm like, wow, trillions of particles are in agreement for me to use this pen. For me to drink this water, for me to breathe this air. So we start inviting that sense of appreciation and gratitude into our life. We start vibrating higher and higher and higher. And guess what? That 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 light, the light that we are is always being there. We just, like I said at the beginning, put all the shades, close all the windows. And then yes. now it, let's peel them. And like we can do it that one step at a time every time you go to that place of let's just appreciate these little, little moments of life. And then that's Beautiful. how we can get to be in peace, in peace in alignment with life. Well, Ingrid, thank you so much. And again, for sharing so articulately, articulate, I can't even talk, and beautifully your experiences really it was so inspiring. So thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. Thank you so much for having me. Like I said, what a blessing and what an honor. You're welcome. Bye-bye. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.